Welcome to the Zong and Claw podcast. Today we'll be talking about the ninth generation of consoles. Hi everyone, I'm Claw. And I'm Zong. Today we thought we'd have a bit of a chat about the state of the current gen of consoles. Um, Seeing as it's now been about six months since the ninth generation of consoles kicked off properly. And before I get a load of hate, yes I do know that the Switch is technically a ninth gen console. But I think it's safe to say that Nintendo are off doing their own thing rather than really kind of going any form of head-to-head competition against Sony or Microsoft. So we're going to start it with just a, like a brief background for those who don't know much about the ninth generation. I mean, where have you been, but sure. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the ninth generation of video consoles began in November 2020 with the release of the Xbox Series X and Series S and Sony's PlayStation 5. Yeah, literally like a week within each other. Yep. Adding faster graphics processing, support of real-life ray tracing graphics, and output of 4K resolution, in some cases 8K, with rendering speeds targeting 60 frames per second or higher. Yes, that's probably more exciting than the resolution is that the consoles are now supporting a whole 120 hertz. Good luck finding a TV that supports it successfully, but, you know, the feature's there, so, you know, I think they've done some good job at future-proofing things. Both console families introduced a new internal solid-state drive, also known as an SSD, system to be used as a high-throughport memory and storage system for games to reduce and eliminate loading times and supporting in-game streaming. Yeah, which is very exciting, to be honest, because it means that you can actually go from place to place in games without sat there twiddling your thumbs for 30-plus seconds. Bloodborne, I'm looking at you. Um... (laughs) The Xbox Series S and the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition lack an optical drive while retaining support for online distribution and storage games on external USB drives. Yes. (laughs) The duration of the 8th generation until the start of the 9th was one of the longest in history. Past generations typically have a 5 year window gap. Yeah, I think they've been slowly getting longer and longer Sort of since like the PS3, that generation was what six, seven years, and then the last generation has been epic. Instead of releasing a new console within the five year gap, Sony and Microsoft instead launched mini console redesigns, which were the Xbox One X and the PlayStation 4 Pro. Microsoft also launched a monthly console lease program where you can have the option to buy or upgrade. They did. And Microsoft and Sony had announced their consoles in 2019 for the release at the end of 2020. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, when the pandemic struck in March 2020, it impacted both marketing and production of the consoles. The cancelled E3 2020 had been planned as a major venue to premiere the consoles, and instead both Microsoft and Sony turned to online showcases to highlight the systems and the launch games. Both companies acknowledged that the pandemic had strained their production supplies due to the hardware manufacturing slowing down starting in March 2020, but would not impact their console release window. 
and they set consumers' expectations that the console supplies would be likely limited in the launch window and would slowly become more relaxed as the pandemic waned. And we're still waiting. I did miss a bit out um, on my notes, but they do go on about the scrappers and all that after that part. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's there's been a lot of issues. I mean, it's, it's all kind of COVID-19 related, but then on top of that, you've had a lot of just silicon shortages generally. Oh, yeah. So AMD and Intel are both really struggling to meet demands across all markets at the moment. I mean, before we get into sort of the nitty gritty about each console, we we, we are staying non-biased <laughs> uh, due to the fact that obviously because of the shortages and the scalpers, we are still trying to get hold of the PlayStation 5 ourselves. Yeah, so I only really had hands-on time with the Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S, so we can at least, you know, give a hands-on impression of that. But yeah, the PS5 is still sadly eluding us. You know, I mean, let's just, Let's talk about what we just went through. So, obviously, you know, I went through what the new console generation is going to have. You know, they both have SSDs, 4K resolution, maybe some 8K there. Yeah, so I suppose there's there's a few kind of key points where the consoles are similar but different. So, obviously, like, touching on the, the big new sort of headline features, um, the SSDs is, you know probably the biggest thing over you know just the raw power increases um and they've both got two slightly different approaches to that microsoft is probably the most fiscally sensible one but never mind so in the playstation 5 they've gone for proper cutting edge you know the fastest of the fast nvme um, ssd i won't go into what nvme is now just know it's it's fast. But that then becomes very, very expensive, hence why the PS5 uh, comes with some really weird quantity of it. I think it's like 850 gigabytes or something like that. It's a bit bizarre. Whereas Microsoft have taken the route of they've gone for, it's still an NVMe SSD, but they've gone for a slightly slower one. Um, so it doesn't have the same bandwidth, um, but it is a far cheaper chip to get hold of. Uh, and what they've done is they've developed what they call the Velocity Engine. Um, so they've done some custom chip wizardry to, you know, kind of try and bridge that gap in the speeds um, and produced like a controller um, that helps move data around more efficiently and quicker than just using sort of the standard um, buses and that that they could have just gone with. And as we mentioned, the Xbox Series Series S and the PlayStation 5 Digital Edition, obviously, the only difference is that they don't have no CD drive within them, which I own a Series S Xbox, and I I enjoy it. Yeah, so I, I will correct you there slightly. <laughs> so again, probably the, the big difference between Sony and Microsoft on that one is the PlayStation 5 or digital is literally exactly the same hardware apart from it doesn't have the Blu-ray drive in it, whereas the Xbox Series S is a lower-powered system compared to the Series X. So the Series X is specced at trying to target your 4K super super crisp graphics, whereas the Series S is specced 
with the theory that it should be able to deliver the same quality of graphics um, but only hitting around 1080p to 1440p in resolution. And this is why I don't do the technical side of these things. <laughs> I'm yeah, just trying to think of the like, other key... And like I said, I've got the Xbox Series S um, and I don't miss the CD drive. Well, I do when there's a game I want to play that I've got, obviously, the disc of. But, you know, that's when you've comes in handy you've got two other xbox series x's in the household you can just jump onto one of them oh yeah we but, do um, have an advantage there but you know i we, we've discussed it in one of our previous um podcasts about digital and physical and physical you know and i'm all up for the digital so you know if i have to pay 10 pounds for another game that i already own on disc i'm not buying an eyelid about it but if you know if they expect me to pay another 50 quid for one I've already paid for on disc, then, you know, that's my error. Not theirs, but, you know. Yeah, and again, it's like, I... The disc drive on the Series X, on mine, um, has been used to play Mortal Kombat, because it was, like, half the price on disc. That's the only game I've used it for. Um, You know, watched a couple of films, but again, I don't really watch many films on physical media anymore, to be completely honest. Um, and also, um, while we're talking about like the digital physical physical thing, I know that it's not, but like E3, um, obviously they all had to do their own little thing last year. You know, um, I know I read there that apparently Sony were going to showcase theirs at e- E3 2020, but from reports, PlayStation are no longer ever going to E3, unless it was just while they were trying to do the PlayStation 5, because... Let's face it, the last couple of ones they've been to, they've always been late going on. The last one they did was all that sort of, my my friend, bullshit, where they moved everyone into a tent to showcase Last of Us, then spent 45 minutes of their time moving everyone from that tent back into the arena to show more of The Last of Us. But, but Yeah, the... well, I think a lot of the, the developers and the manufacturers and that are, have gotten a little bit lukewarm to E3 in recent years anyway. So it's going to be interesting to see who does show face at the all-digital E3 in two months' time. And Bring it on. Sorry. E3 <laughs> is a highlight of my year. I love it. Sorry. I, I, I really miss the Xbox voiceover do the world premiere. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I think I prefer Gamescom because it's at least targeted more at the fans rather than E3, which kind of started off as meant to be a industry fair rather than a consumer fair um but it all got weird and confused over the years so well i'm just going to read out some facts about playstation 5 okay uh if you've got anything to add please add at the end mm-hmm. <laughs> i sound like a teacher <laughs> raise your hand um so playstation 5 the primary goal of playstation 5's development was to reduce loading times in games particularly those that use in-game streaming, such as when the player moves across an open world. Yep. That should be evident with Ratchet and Clank when it comes out. Eventually. Uh, yeah. Um, after many delays again. I know. Uh, every time we watch reviews about it or like comments about it, they a lot of people say this is going to be the game that is going to test the PlayStation 5 for the fact that you can jump from world to world without loading screens. It's literally you open a portal, you go through, you're in the next world. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see if they can hold up on that. Uh, the PlayStation 5, oh, sorry, the PlayStation Five was launched with two models. 
The base model includes an optical disk drive for most disk formats, including Blu-ray, UHD Blu-ray, and rental PlayStation 5 games. A cheaper digital model lacks the disk reader, but otherwise is equivalent to the base model. Both models support expanded memory options to store games and other data onto external drives. Do you agree? Disagree? Um, yeah, there's there's been a few hiccups with the external drive thing on the PlayStations. Um, for some reason, if you unplug it at the same time, the PlayStation will then refuse to ever read that drive ever again, which has caused a few nightmares for people. It's like if you leave it, if you've got your system in rest mode and then unplug the drive, it completely foobars itself. Um, I know they had a patch recently. I must confess I've not looked into to see if they've actually fixed that problem. I know they have now at least fixed the issue where you couldn't shunt PS4 games from the internal drive to the external drive and still play them. And they fixed that. Um, and I think you can now finally move PS5 games onto an external drive just for storage purposes which you couldn't do before so the last the last note i know i'm sure i read a lot of complaints about this one about this so you know you'll have to correct me if i'm wrong but okay. playstation 5 has mostly complete backwards compatibility with the playstation 4 games with only a limited number of games not currently supported on the console while the playstation now cloud service is available for users to play games from the older playstation consoles yes so I've heard, well, read a lot of rumours. I don't know if they fixed this, but there was a lot of kickoff about this. The fact that I think one was the that people had to play for PlayStation Now to play these games. Yeah. So it's not a case of insert the disc and play. It oh, is... yeah. If you, if you own a PS3 game or a PS2 yeah. game, there's no way of just playing it on the uh, PS5. And the fact that there's limit. Well, when I read this, it was obviously on launch. There was very limited backwards compatibility games. Oh, from the PS4, do you mean? Um, no, I, I, like I said, this is going back when it first got launched. I think it, they just meant. I think they when they you know when you hear backwards compatibility of all consoles like PlayStation consoles, yeah. you automatically think PlayStation One, Two. But I think what they meant was Four was going to be the first one, and they were slowly going to introduce everything else. But I know there was a bit of an uproar about their backwards compatibility oh yeah it, it's it's not a patch for microsoft still um i know there was some weird issues um not necessarily it's not really backwards compatibility but there were some games where if you played the ps4 version got the upgrade whether that was a paid upgrade or a free upgrade depending on what the publisher was letting you do the, the save files then weren't transferring so if you got halfway through the game on ps4 while you're waiting for your ps5 then play the PS5 version of the game, your saves weren't transferring. I think a lot of the, the companies have kind of done fixes for that now, but definitely originally there was this whole hoo-ha that, you know, it's like even if you could upgrade the game to a PS5 version properly, you couldn't then continue your save. And of course, the PlayStation 5, when it launched, didn't have, well, still doesn't have all of the promised features active on it. Um, the It has an expansion slot for putting in your own um, like standard PC NVMe SSD drive to expand the storage capabilities. Um, but the two main issues with this are 
drives that meet the spec that Sony require are few and far between and very expensive. And I think because of that, Sony have currently got that disabled altogether. So you cannot currently expand your storage in the system for actually playing PS5 games on. So with that, we'll talk about the Xbox Series X slash S. So Microsoft followed the Xbox One's dual console mod models, a high-end line and a cheaper model. The performance goals of the Xbox Series X was about four times that of the Xbox One X without sacrificing game development for the lower end of the Xbox Series S. Again, in theory, there have been some developers grumbling that maybe they haven't quite hit the specs right on the S, but it seems that people are generally um, getting on with it. Uh, the Xbox Series X and Series S use an AMD Zen 2 CPU and an RDNA 2 GPU. They do, which is probably another differentiator to the PS5. Um, is They both are AMD um, Zen cores and they are both um, RDNA chips for the graphics. The big difference being... Microsoft have got a fully fledged RDNA 2 chip whereas Sony's is a bit of a custom hybrid between RDNA 1 and RDNA 2 um, mostly because the PlayStation 5 was ahead in development versus the Xbox um, and Sony I think were convinced that Microsoft would never go full RDNA 2 and then quite late in the day Obviously, they caught wind through their various corporate spies and all the rest of it that Microsoft had actually gone to AMD and said, we want to use full RDNA 2, which bearing in mind the RDNA 2 graphics cards for PCs didn't come out until October last year. So it was very much a the console was coming out with the latest and greatest, which has never happened before. Um, so Sony had to go back and try and shoehorn in um, RDNA 2 features into their chipset. The Series X includes an optical disk drive supporting Blu-ray and UHD media, which is absent from the Series S. Uh, both consoles support external game storage, media and online distribution via the Xbox Live. Full backward compatibility was announced for all Xbox One games, including previous supported Xbox and Xbox 360 games, but not including the Kinect games. And I'm still waiting for the Buffy game. Or becoming backward compatible. Yep, both of them. Yeah, so I, th I think it is important to point out that as much as the Xbox has better backward compatibility, um, for historic reasons, you can't. They couldn't just make original Xbox. Thanks for calling the third one Xbox One Xbox. Well done. Um, but the original Xbox and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty have a different enough architecture that for backward compatibility to work, they have to go in and do a little bit of like work to create like a compatibility file for them. Um, and, you know, for various reasons, you know, they've not gone and done that for every last game, but they have done a pretty hefty chunk of the catalog. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are games there like Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, that looks really good for what they've done for the um, ninth generation. But then you look at the other games they've done and there's some games where they weren't like mainstream games and probably ones you never heard of like more I won't, they're not even indie games they're just like the ones probably never got 
took you know took off and you look thinking why have you done like world of tanks and not buffy you know you know um but- so the main reason for that will be is that a lot of those lesser known probably cheaper to produce games will have been using like vanilla versions of the unreal engine or unity or something like that so the back the little like file that tells it how to do backward compatibility they can just copy and paste that um because they they know it's using a a fixed engine that they know what's going on um the problem with some of like the bigger games is um that in order especially late in the generation games um developers will dig into the code a bit more and they'll do little tricks to get a little bit more um, power out of the system um, and it's those that those bits of trickery that they use just to produce that extra like special effect in game completely banjaxes the backward compatibility so would you like to know how many playstation 5 consoles they have sold go for it 7.3 million which are impressive figures yep the xbox have sold 4.5 million also impressive figures obviously quite considerably less uh, about half of both of those are currently sat on ebay somewhere yeah um <laughs> but, but, but then you, you, yeah again when the when the eighth generation came out you know there was that war which would sell better and sony did win that one but then you kind of hear more about the xbox if that makes sense i mean currently it is way too early to tell the bottom line is you cannot buy either console by just going on a website you have to follow a load of trackers and as soon as it appears at a retailer you have to buy it within 10 minutes and that applies to both consoles so currently you can't look at those figures as all playstations sold more i mean technically it has but it's more sony have been able to produce yeah more playstations than microsoft managed to produce xboxes um whether that will hurt them in the long run or not is yet to be seen. Um, I mean, I am on all these stock trucker websites and stuff, and currently um, the Xbox is coming back into stock more frequently than the PlayStation is, so that gap could be shrunk down before the shortages are resolved. Because, um, you know, I think we're still looking at shortages for, for months to come yet, unfortunately. And then the one console, we you mentioned it, obviously, at the beginning of the podcast, um, the Switch. Obviously, yes. like you said, it technically it is an eighth generation console, but when I was doing research about this... What? It's technically a ninth generation console. If you let me finish. <laughs> but when you do re- when I was doing my research about the different consoles... They do mention how, like what you said, the, tw- the Switch technically is an 8th generation, but because of the way it's fallen, and like you said, Nintendo are doing their own thing. They don't give a shit about Arrival or anything. They're just getting on with it. It has fallen into the ninth generation. Oh, yeah, and in terms of if you purely take it from when Nintendo... In terms of how many consoles Nintendo have released, yeah. the Wii U came out with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. It just didn't last more than, what, two years? It wasn't very long. So it's like the Switch came out three years ago now, I think it was. Something like that. Um, So, yeah, the the Switch is a weird one because it came out slap bang in the middle of the generations in terms of 
the general status quo um, in terms of how many Nintendo consoles have there been, it makes it a ninth generation console. Um, but again, it's not something that can be compared against in any sensible way against the other systems. Oh no, and just for clarity, you know, I know we're not comparing, but the Switch to date, when we look this up, had sold 83.4 million consoles. Which is good going. Yeah. Um, don't I re- believe that's more than Microsoft sold Xbox Ones. See, the, the thing I like about Nintendo, and again, we I refer to another episode we did, um, when we talked about the fifth generation. Yep. How when Sony came along, they went against. Nite- well, they, did well, they go against Nintendo to stay? But they accidentally basically messed well, up yeah. Sega. So well, their their point for entering the market was that they wanted to show that they could do it, and you know, upstage Nintendo. But obviously, um, Sega got the backlash. Sega got the backlash, and part of that was because Nintendo, because they'd gone so far with Sony and then had to start again, meant that. Nintendo didn't even join the race until the PlayStation and the Saturn had been around for a year. See, and that's what I like about Nintendo is, you know, Microsoft has come on the scene with the Xbox and Nintendo's just like that person over on the other side of the room going, you know, you do you, I'm doing me. You know, because I know Nintendo Switch do have some of the games that come on all consoles and all that, like Fortnite and The Witcher. Um... I mean, I would never have thought of a Switch having The Witcher on it, you know. But for me, I like the fact that they they try to push more of their own, like, Zelda games and yeah. Mario. Those kind of, like, home... And, yeah. And in, know, interestingly, um, I mean, the GameCube did have um, Windows CE um, as an option within its operating system. Um, but part of that came about from... Microsoft actually tried to get Nintendo to partner with them wholesale and do a console together, which, you know, Nintendo just turned around and went, ah, nah. I so mean, part of the reason the Xbox even exists, again, is because <laughs> Nintendo didn't turn down a partnership. I know we're talking about the ninth generation, but I think what this goes with it is the fact that Microsoft at the moment as well are buying quite a lot of um, companies up. Yeah, so I think pro- probably... Um, you know, if we move it onto the software, um, the big thing that Microsoft is now doing is they're trying to fix past mistakes. So, you know, the, the last generation or so, they've relied too heavily on hardware and third parties. Um, obviously, the 360 got driven a lot by Halo. Um, and Halo, unfortunately, when it got handed over to um, 360, 363 games. Yeah. Um, 363 is 363. They didn't really manage to keep the franchise as alive as I think Microsoft had hoped. They, Obviously Gears well, and Forza have helped them, but they've not, they didn't have anything. Well, if we tell the truth, they Halo franchise got killed. You know, I was looking forward to this new one. You know, because you're back as the Master Chief and, you know, it's just... And we're going off subject, but, you know... Um, <laughs> going off subject and also, like, you, really fluffing our knowledge. <laughs> but I think with it, it does... I mean, Halo was... This new Halo was meant to be the launching title for the new Xbox and... Oh, God, what a disaster. And they, they showcased it. Everyone went mental how bad it was. They've 
re-released the footage where they've upgraded it. To me, the game looks okay. You know, it's not what I was expecting. But it's it's going to be a tricky one. Obviously, they are going to be able to do work on it, add more lighting effects, and like add some more kind of next gen glitz to it. But unless they take another three to three to five years on it, they can't change the fundamental structure of the game. I I it's like I said like when I said about uh, Ratchet and Clank, where when that game comes out, that's going to be the testing for PlayStation Five and how there's going to be no loading screens and all that. It's the same as Halo for Xbox. You know, they, these two games were meant to be the launch titles for these consoles, and you know. They've launched. We are still waiting for these games, you know. And I understand they want to get it right, and they don't make themselves look like complete utter dicks, basically for failing. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, it's like you know, you know, how can you say which one's better, or have you promised us what you said you promised without these titles yeah. that can do all this stuff you're saying? And that's one thing I found very interesting about the launch is, quite frankly, both Sony and Microsoft completely dropped the ball in terms of software um very early days sony were kind of seen as having an upper hand because they had because they had some what was seen as being true next gen exclusives in mars morales and the astro game that actually came free with the console um they also then had the remake of dark souls as an exclusive um Obviously, it later came out that Mars Morales was going to be coming on PS4 eventually. I think it did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which then leaves Astro's Playroom and Dark Souls. And Dark Souls as a remake of an old game in itself. So, in actual fact, they had very little. Obviously, on the Microsoft camp, they were originally meant to be landing with, you know, this big Halo game, even though it was a, a cross-gen Halo game, but that obviously didn't materialise at all. Um, so you know, it it looked it looked bad, but really, it was more good PR work by Sony rather than them actually having anything great to the table. And we won't talk about the remastered or HD'd version or whatever you want to call it of the actual the Amazing Spider-Man game for the PlayStation Five because you know a lot of people kicked off how Peter Parker in the PlayStation 4 version doesn't look anything like the PlayStation 5 version to the fact that it looks like they got a different body double and used that. Oh, the PS5 version, they deliberately made it look like... Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Um, But I don't know why they did that. And they charged people to buy the PS5 version of the game rather than it just being... A free upgrade to the PS4 version. And while we're talking about this upgrade charge as well, I know when the consoles were coming out and they were saying like, you know, because obviously coming to the end of a console life, they like PlayStation 3 did it with uh, The Last of Us, you know, as soon as PlayStation 4 came out, there was all of a sudden a PlayStation 4 version of The Last of Us. Um, you know, when, the, when these new consoles were coming out, they were talking about upgrade and... There was talk about some were going to be free, you just put the disc in, you'd be fine. And then rumours were coming around that Sony were going to charge you from 10 to $50 or pounds, whatever, to upgrade it. And it's like, 
I've already bought the game. Why am I paying? Oh yeah, and you know, and Microsoft did very much jump on that with going like, nope, we've got this smart delivery system. All of the upgrades are going to be free unless the publishers really want to be assholes. And I think there's a couple of publishers that started off wanting to charge for upgrades on both systems and then were like, oh, no, that's gone down really badly, so we won't do that. <laughs> I mean, if it, if it's an older title, I would understand, like, charging £10 or something. But if you've brought a game that is basically at the end of the life of the console, so let's, let's say um, Last of Us 4, uh, Last of Us 4, Last of Us Part 2, say... Basically, let's face it, it came at the end of PlayStation 4, like the first part did in PlayStation 3. That's like paying 50 quid for that and then getting told, oh yeah, you can have an upgrade for an extra 20 quid. It's like, yeah, but in a sense, then I've just paid 70 quid for a game. You know, and I know games are going to get more expensive as new consoles come out or whatever they're going to do. But to ask, oh yeah, you you need to give us an extra 20 quid and we'll upgrade it for you, it's like... Mm, I've just you know but if you're if you're asking them to upgrade because there is rumours that they're redoing The Last of Us Part 1 again for the PlayStation 5 again 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 which we don't need but that's like you know with that if they were saying like oh you got PlayStation 3 version okay give us 20 quid and we'll upgrade you to PlayStation 5 that I can understand a bit more but if they were saying oh you got PlayStation 4 version yeah you need to give us 20 quid for that it's like no, because it came out at the end of the PlayStation yeah, 4. Yeah, it, it's... But again, I think this whole thing that... And I think Microsoft have, have led the charge on this. There are so many games now that have had excess upgrades to them as just a, a free... Oh, yeah, you know, we, we've we've turned on a few extra features. We've done this and we've made it from 30 frames to 60 frames and all those kind of... You know, it, it's not doing a major overhaul of the game. But there's so much of that going on that I think the 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 last generation's obsession with remakes and remasters is is probably going to be questioned a lot more by people now. And again, I think it's because of where computer graphics are coming, it's a lot easier to take a PS4, X1, Xbox One era game and change a few settings in the background on it to suddenly make it look better, run smoother and still look really, really good. That it's it's going to be very difficult to remaster PS4, Xbox One era games in a, in a way that is worth people spending money on. Yeah. I can still see it, you know, if you want to take an Xbox 360 game or PS3 game and give it like a real kind of like proper working over, give it new models and all the rest of it, so it really kind of brings it up to date, then that's maybe worth the money. But if anybody tries tries remastering things, whereas I think before, going from PS3 to PS4 or Xbox 360 to Xbox One, there's, 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 a, bigger, there's a bigger gap to fill. Whereas now, the, the gap just isn't there to make a PS4 or an Xbox One game, you know, look better to a degree that's worth extra money. It's like, yeah, you can take, especially like a lot of Xbox One games that are only like 900p, you know, yes, you can make them 1080, you can make them 4K, but the amount of work involved in that is fairly minor by comparison, and that's all they need to do because the the model quality and everything is already 
up there. And that's like what I said. I know there's some original Xbox games that you can buy again on the store and they're enhanced for the Xbox Series X and S. Um, and they're only like £9 something. To me, that's fair enough. You know, I'm not... In my head, I'm not expecting top-end realistic graphics to as far as the new consoles can push it. I'm just looking for... If it's enhanced, I would like to know that when I play it, it's going to look better than it does back then. Yeah. So spending that £9, I'm... To, I can justify spending that £9 on that game just to have it digitally on my Xbox, on my account. But, you know, if they're, you know, but if, they, if they're telling me you can have this original Xbox game on your new console and it's going to be state-of-the-art, realistic, you know, up to 8K, you know, re- resolution and they want 50 quid off me if i really loved the game then yeah i would oh yeah and at that point they're pretty much going to the effort of creating an entire new game anyway the only if you took as we mentioned it before knights of the old republic and gave it the you know remastering treatment of making it look like a modern day game so if it looked more like the fallen order yeah the 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 only thing that the team's not having to do is rewrite the script. Yeah. It's literally, yeah, okay, so you've got your script, you've got your, you know, your camera work and your positioning and the voice the voice recordings are probably a good enough quality yeah. to reuse them. Um, so, you, you know, you can, you can make the game cheaper, but the expensive part of making the game is still very much there. Yeah. And even then, you'll probably find if they did remaster the KOTOR games that they would probably even go that little bit further and update some of the control systems, update some of the menu systems. And, you know, while, yes, it'll be the same story and the same locations, it'll all be made from scratch. And this, like, this, what um, we were saying about The Last of Us, the fact that they're planning on making another remaster or whatever you want to call it of part one of the game from the PlayStation 3, they've already done it for PlayStation 4, now the apparently rumour is they're doing it for a PlayStation 5 version. Yeah. It's the same as, um, which which is more understandable with fin- with the Final Fantasy VII remake. They, I, I know they're like a year or two away from releasing part two of it, but there's talks, the reason it's taken so long is because they're re-going back over part one for PlayStation 5 release. Yeah, I don't know why they're doing that. That seems like a waste of time. And I don't understand why, because the PlayStation 4 version was just mind-blowing. I mean, if you know what Final Fantasy VII looked like back on the PlayStation 1 to what it is now, it is mind-blowing. And I don't understand why they think, right, we need to do this again in this generation. From a... I think in that instance, it's the developers themselves really want to do it. Because the Final Fantasy VII, you know, remake, A, is, you know, it's a remake plus, 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 because they've, you know, it's it, they, there's new dialogue, they've pulled in story elements from the other Final Fantasy spin-off games, you know, it, it's, it's not in any way, shape or form a straight, oh, we've just made it look prettier, because, you know, there's, you know, there's phenomenal amounts of work. It is a new game telling the same story. Um... 
But I can, if from a someone with a keen graphics eye like myself, I can see with the PS4 um, Final Fantasy VII Remake that as gorgeous as it looks, there are parts of the game where they where they're really having to lean very heavily on um, a number of tricks to pull it off, and that they've. You know, they've got all, all of the actual character models and all the rest of it look absolutely stunning. But there are definitely areas of the game where the backdrop and the scenery has had to be pared down. There's like areas where even the texture quality is actually quite shoddy if you stop and look at it. Which is why they've done it that way. You know, you're focusing on the characters. So most people are only going to notice, hey, look, wow, these characters look amazing. So I can understand why the developers themselves might be like it's not quite the vision they wanted to deliver. Yeah, I understand that. But then in my head, I'm like, I know it's all about money and everything for these companies. But it's like, why, if they're, obviously talking about like Final Fantasy, they know that this game's going to be multiple parts. Because obviously it is a, I mean, the original was a four disc um, game, you know. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, they're putting more information in it from like the spin offs from all of number seven. But what gets me is like, yeah, I understand you can pump part one out, pump part two out, remake part one for this. But then what gets me is like, what are you going to do if you don't get part three out in time for this generation and we have a 10th generation? And then are you just going to pump one and two again out on that? It will, in theory, what they should do is, in, in my head, which makes more sense, is do part one, get working on part two get that done and if you've got five parts to it get all five parts out and whatever generation console you're on you do it all up and then you release a big massive box set of all five parts and because they are like lot i mean when i say five parts they're not they're not like the la- the life is strange episodes or things like that they are like a full length 60 plus hour game you just do one big bo- big box set on it and if you're on the 15th generation by then you bump it all up for that graphics and you sell it for like you know I'm, yeah, I, I mean, mean it's not going to work for everyone you pump it out for 100 quid yeah okay so I'm big Final Fantasy fan and I, I will admit I've never played 7 until the remake but if you know if they said alright you know here's a big box set of all all part five, like all parts of it it's 100 quid plus you get this these a few extra bits with it I'm more than willing to go, yeah, I love the game, I'll buy it all. Yeah, it depends on how much, if they are going to give you an upgrade option with it. Uh, I think what they're doing with this is because, as you say, it's you know part two isn't the end of it. You know, There's at least a three, if not a fourth, yeah. if not a fifth part. Um, so they are probably looking at it that there's work that they need to do on their engine because it is all um, the Luminous engine. Um so they're probably doing work on that for the new consoles, um, which will be going into part two. And probably their fear there is that part two's then not going to look consistent with part one on the new consoles. So they're probably going, actually, because of where we've landed in the console cycle, we'd really like to have part one on the new consoles looking like the rest of the game's going to look. Yeah, I understand that. But then that's what I'm saying. Like... What happens if they never get part three out in time? Because let's face it, Squarings have got this habit of announcing <laughs> these games and spending it the next five, six years developing it. But what I'm saying is they'll do that with part one, part two. Then what if they don't get part three done in time and we're on the next 
cycle of generation they're gonna if their mentality is what you, like how you just described it yeah. then that means oh hang on we can't get three out yet because we've got to do part one and part two to the standard of this so everyone can play it you know yeah. to me that's just wasting their time you're gonna piss fans off because let's face it they've had problems with Kingdom Hearts uh, a lot of fans a lot of fans got pissed off with the massive wait for three even when they announced three there was still a massive wait They've announced Kingdom uh, Kingdom Hearts. Sorry, they've announced Final Fantasy sixteen. We're probably going to wait another two years for that. Yeah, um, there are other games they have announced, and it's like no shows. And they've announced like they've announced the next. They are working on the next Kingdom Hearts. You, but this is what I'm saying. It's all right announcing it and taking years, but this whole oh this was on last gen. Let's remake it for this gen. You could just keep doing that constantly. You could do. I think in the case of Final Fantasy VII, because there are areas where clearly they couldn't do what they wanted to do, I don't foresee that if they do then stretch into the next generation that they'll have that same problem again. So they'll probably be more happy just to get it finished. As I said, at the moment, a thing I notice playing the game is there's definite areas where you can see that they've just had to go screw it we're just going to have to like tone down the tone down the quality on this bit and and just move on just to make the game work because which i think they they tr- they're wanting to rectify that so i guess probably a bit of a sum up you know currently both of the the consoles are fairly level pegging obviously there's a lot of news about all oh, you know the playstation 5s Sold, sold more than the Xbox, but I think it's more the what what's what's going on in terms of what the two companies are doing to try and cement their position in the market. Um, now Sony are very much still pushing their age-old rhetoric of we produce the best exclusive AAA games. Look how amazing and flashy and amazing our games are. And I've said amazing twice. I do apologize. Um, but it kind of feels they're stuck in a bit of a rut with that. And they've had a bunch of games delayed, which has kind of like held them back a little bit. And they've always got that issue, or they always will again have that issue that when it comes to third party games, that, you know, obviously depending on the game, some, you know, the two consoles are similar enough in power that, you know, there will be games that look better on PlayStation, there will be games that look better on Xbox. But on the whole, as things mature, the Xbox should be able to carry the flag of we've got the best third-party games. I just want to throw in there as well about Sony. is like you saying they're in a rotten fit. I think what's not helped them either, and I and this is just me thinking, is remember like as generations have gone on, they've kind of lost the exclusive right to Tomb Raider. They've lost it now to Final Fantasy because Final Fantasy's on, on Xbox now. Even the old ones are on Xbox now. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts is now on Xbox. Yep. It's as if they're losing grasp of what... I'm not saying they're, they're the only three game titles that drew people to Sony, but th- that's one reason why you would buy an Xbox for the, the, the Halo, and then you would buy a, a Sony PlayStation for Tomb Raider or Uncharted or whatever. But I've noticed now we're hitting this new generation, it's like a free-for-all. It's like, nah... We're going to put it on all consoles now. No, they're all going on all consoles. And I can... I mean, I'm not just saying it's Sony. It can work for Xbox as well when they've lost titles. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that doesn't help either. And I know no. I interrupted you, sorry, but you were saying like they're in that rut and I, I kind of, I would be a bit peed if I was an owner of a company who had the, not the rights, but you know, I was the exclusive console who had Tomb Raider and all of a sudden I've lost it to my competitor. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, don't don't forget on that one. It's Microsoft that funded Rise of the Tomb Raider. Oh yeah, I, know, I I know that, but that's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like ah, we've just lost. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm not, and I'm not saying PC gaming isn't gaming or anything or or isn't as important. And I know you got Tomb Raider on PC, but you know, compared to the consoles, it's like you know, it, it's like losing a baby. You know, oh, she yeah. she well, grew up on PlayStation and. And that's like if you saw Crash Bandicoot, which it is, <laughs> on Xbox all of a sudden. If that's like um, Spyro, which it is again on Xbox. That's if they suddenly just go, oh, we're going to remake Uncharted. By the way, it's going to be on Xbox as well. It's like, oh, you know, Sony, I can't, in my eyes, it's like Sony's either pissed people off and they're like, you know what, screw yeah. you. Or it is a case of Microsoft are going there, you know, we're coming for you. Yeah, and that's the thing, is Microsoft have gone out, obviously there's the big Bethesda acquisition, yep. um, but I think in their massive expansion of their own own studios, they've tried to get a bit more breadth in there, so they're not just going after these AAA blockbuster games, they're trying to get a little bit more variety in their exclusives. Yep. Obviously everything they're doing is going straight to PC as well, um, but I think that's partly Microsoft acknowledging that, you know, to get a PC that will run a game to the same level as an Xbox One X or a PlayStation 5, you're looking at paying £1,500. You know, it's three times the cost to get a similar system currently as a PC. And obviously later in the generation that changes, but in the here and now, you know, you have to spend a lot of money to get a PC that can stand up against the new consoles. Obviously, as we said, you know, they're really expanding the studios. They're really trying to up their game on the exclusives. But I think the killer that Microsoft has come to the table with is Game Pass. Have PlayStation done that? Yeah. And again, that's yeah. that's the that's the other sort of the, the big blow of Game Pass is on top of them expanding their exclusives is they're also going out there and they're grabbing multi-platform games but again, getting them on Game Pass on release day. Yeah. So Outriders on release day. Even more hilariously, MLB The Show, obviously not relevant to our UK listeners, but for the Americans, MLB The Show, massive PlayStation exclusive, made by Sony, is now coming to Xbox and it's going to be on Game Pass day one. I mean, it's, it's really... I mean, I'm trying not to be biased here, but it's really difficult to not see how much of a game changer this is and how much Sony need to stop relying on past popularity and really pull their finger out and do something. You know, Microsoft are playing a clever game. Here. Oh, oh I, um, I mean, for those who have never owned a PlayStation in their life and have heard about Final Fantasy, you know, you know you've kind of just... You know, Microsoft have just gone, you know what, here, have it. Yeah. Just go for it. It's actually you saying all of that. It's kind of interesting, Square Enix at the moment, because they're kind of playing both sides a bit. But I think they're literally playing both sides for the money. Yeah. So they're siding with Microsoft and chucking a whole load of their stuff onto the Game Pass, which obviously Microsoft are giving them money for. Yeah. And, you know, they're quite unashamedly doing that. 
but they're still, on the other hand, quite happy to take Sony's money to make Final Fantasy 16 exclusive for six months, to make Final Fantasy 7 remake an exclusive for however long that's an exclusive for. I'm, again, I'm not convinced that's going to be a forever, forever thing. I don't know at what point that's going to expire, but I, I would be very surprised if Final Fantasy VII Remake doesn't make its way to Xbox at some point. Because the, the saying like that, that is... A, see, if they're going to make... If the rumours are right and they're going to make part one for, for the current gen, if they release that along with two, or they just release it before two... I reckon it's going to be cross-platform. Yeah, I don't think they've made any announcement along those lines yet. No, I don't... Like I said, it's only rumoured that they're... Rumoured that it's taken so long for part two is because they're rendering part one to the same graphics. Or or however they're going to do it. But if they do release that part one as next-gen resolution, I've got a feeling it's going to slip straight into Game Pass on Microsoft if it does. And it's going to be cross-platform. Yeah, and it might not even be quite that way round. I mean, maybe the exclusivity with PlayStation will see Part 2 coming out on PlayStation, and then six months later they'll do a big 1 and 2, Parts 1 and 2 release onto Game Pass and bring it on Xbox that way. I think, generally speaking, both consoles are amazing bits of kit. I wholly intend to have both of them eventually when I can get my hands on a PS5. Um, My current gut feel is that I think Microsoft are, for me, in the lead in terms of features and what they've got going for them. I think it's still too early to tell if that's going to be enough for them to you know, air quotes, win the race. Um, But at the same time, I'm not entirely sure that Microsoft are even trying to win that hardware sales race. And I don't think it matters if they do or they don't. I think, you know, both platforms, for my mind, need to stay around. I want both platforms to stay around. I want to enjoy games on both platforms. Um, But we shall see what happens. I just hope that Sony kind of wake up a bit and start realising that they do have a fight on their hands and they can't just rest on their laurels. So so the news is, uh, when the trailer released, it said exclusively exclusively to PlayStation, but they also said it was going to go to PC as well. In an interview, uh, they digged you know, they digged a bit further. Apparently Final Fantasy sixteen is a time exclusive yeah. to PlayStation. Um, exclusive for six months after which it can come to non-console platforms so obviously it'll go to PlayStation first six months later it'll go to PC yep. then six months after that so 12 months in total it will be released on other consoles Yeah. so technically Sony are really losing Final Fantasy here oh god well it, given that Final Fantasy 15 is already on Game Pass is that PC version going to go straight to game pass or are they going to wait until the 12 month mark and put it on game pass for xbox and pc and here's me thinking we're just going to talk about consoles for the next generation and then we've come up with this whole theory yeah but But, that's 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 what it's about right um so what are your sort of final thoughts on the generation so far well like we said taking out my 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 beef with microsoft support um i'm (laughs) 
I'm on Microsoft, if I'm honest. Uh, and there are games. There are games coming out on the PlayStation Five that I, I love. And overall, Xbox. I think Microsoft are killing it. Anyway, guys, we've uh, we've we you know. I'm We've gonna... rambled on for a long time. Um, uh, for people's reference, we're at an hour and a half. I imagine you won't have been sat here for an hour and a half listening to us ramble after Zong's done his editing magic. <laughs> but like that's 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 how long we've gone. And I think it shows that we you know we are passionate about all of this. Um, there's a whole bunch of things in my head that I'm like, oh, I wanted to talk about this, that, and the other. So we will we will definitely come back to it probably in a few months' time when we hopefully have our hands on a PS5. I do think sometimes with with these kind of podca- uh, episodes where we talk about next-gen and all that, it, it, like you said, you've got thoughts you want to talk about, but then it's like, do they fit in what we're talking about yeah. at the time? And I know we go off and sometimes you lot don't hear it because I edit it out. But we do go off on little tantrums, which when I listen back to it, at the time they made sense. But when you re-listen to it, it's like, well, why are we talking about that for? Yeah. But it is one of those things where you, at times you say what you say in the moment. But anyway, guys, we won't take up any more of your time. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. And um, this will probably be a bit of a longer episode. But yeah. Hey-ho. Just not an hour and a half, eh? Yep. <laughs> hey-ho. Um, so it's a goodbye from me, Zong. And goodbye from me, Claw. And remember, guys, always keep it geeky.